This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 530 of the Stable Scoop Show. The Horse Radio Network's equestrian roundtable show in coordination with American Horse Publications. Our sponsor this episode is Kemen Equine. I'm Glenda Geek, founder of the Horse Radio Network and host of Horses in the Morning, the longest-running daily horse podcast in the world. We're about to hit 3,000 episodes, which we think will be more episodes than any other independent podcast. So that's going to be happening in August. We'll be celebrating that and having some parties around 3,000 episodes. Welcome back to the Equestrian Roundtable. We're excited about our partnership with American Horse Publications. AHP is an association of equine journalists, and HRN has been a proud member for years, along with all of the panelists tonight. Each roundtable from now on will have a couple of members of AHP, and we're also going to get some listeners, and we get some hosts also from our shows here at the Horse Radio Network, which we have 21 of now. I'll be the host and moderator tonight, but, you know... I do have opinions, so I will be jumping in occasionally, but mostly the panelists will lead the way. Uh, if you're watching uh, live, welcome. If this is your first time watching, feel free to comment. And if you're watching live, and join in the conversation that way. Tonight's topics are going to include books. They're going to include barns and when you should leave them when they become toxic. We're going to make that our last topic. Nothing like ending on an up note tonight. And also size. I mean, horse size doesn't really matter. That's uh, our second topic for the night. But our first one is going to be a little more light and lively. Let's meet our panelists tonight. And we are starting with HP member and HRN host of the Lead Line podcast and leader of the pack over at the Lead Line, a community for horse business owners. And that's our own Mandy Flanders. Hey, Mandy. Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having me. So good to have you here again. And again, you have the beautiful painting right behind your head. I like that. <laughs> Always. <laughs> and you're, since we had you last, we're going to talk more about it later, but you're doing great guns over there with the Lead Line podcast. I'm so proud of you, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, lots of things happening. Always moving on to the next big thing, but that's how it goes, running a horse business, right? Great. Well, and this is my new studio, by the way. Uh, so I'm in the new place in the new studio. That Afghan, which is right over, right over there, the other side, <laughs> hanging up there, was made by uh, my wife's uh, stepmom. It took her six months to make that, and so I had to put it as my backdrop now for the new studio. Well, she's far more talented than I, because well, I did not make that. <laughs> she designed She laid it out and everything. It did it without a pattern. I mean, I don't know. That's amazing. I don't know how she did it. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have HP member and author at The Timid Rider. She's been on before, like all our panelists tonight. Uh, she's a good friend. We spent a lot of time together in Dallas last year. Heather Wallace is here. Hey, Heather. Hi. <laughs> You're in a kind of a bunker too right now, it looks like. Uh, I am. Well, I'm in a loft, actually, in, in uh, my little cabin in Vermont, uh, nestled away. So um, trying to get away from the hustle and bustle a little bit every once in a while. Well, it looks it looks cozy. It's very cozy. What you, what she's not telling you is she has a whole bunch of kids locked in a room downstairs and threatened their lives if they said anything or if they were noisy. I mean, <laughs> if their parents are listening, everyone's alive. Uh, just... <laughs> I've just bribed them um, to be quiet for about an hour and let me do my thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if that works. We'll find out. We'll and, see. And we also have Natalie Keller Keller Reinhardt on here tonight. <laughs> she is an AHP member. She's an award-winning author of many, many books. She's a novelist, and uh, we're happy to have her. She's soon going to be my neighbor, too. She's moving up close to where I am in Ocala. Hi, Natalie. Oh, you're on mute. Let's get you off of there. Oh, I was trying to be good and stay there on mute, go. and then I totally <laughs> lost That's my train okay. of thought. It's it's not going to be the la it's first time or last time tonight that that happens. Well, yeah. hi Natalie, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. We're going to learn more about all you guys and what you have going on a little bit later, but we're going to start right into the first question. And this was brought up by Heather. Heather, explain explain it. Um, so recently on uh, Heels Down Magazine and Trafalgar Square Books have put together a little brainchild to celebrate uh, equestrian literature. And so on May 10th, there's going to be Buy a Horse Book Day 
and everyone's encouraged to take selfies and pictures with their favorite horse books and to to tag um, hashtag buy a horse book day and really build some momentum and excitement with this amazing uh, corner of our culture. I'm really excited really about cool. it. That is really cool. So what we thought we'd do to celebrate that is we all picked our favorite horse books that we're going to talk about tonight. Heather, why don't you get started? Well, I was told I couldn't pick my own. No, I'm just kidding. I knew I couldn't <laughs> pick my own. Um, so I I really gave it some thought, and I have a couple. I really, you can't beat the Black Stallion books. I mean, they're a classic. They take me back to my childhood. My kids have started to read them, which I'm really excited about. Um, and then I wanted to, to say In the Heart of a Mustang by MJ Evans is one of my favorite recent books in the last few years. And it's all about a, a troubled child and a BLM Mustang kind of meeting and, and, and building a, a relationship of trust and connection. And then, of course, since I write nonfiction, I'm really, I love nonfiction. So physical therapy for horses is one of my go-to books to have to, you know, help condition and strengthen my horses. And so I wanted to give that a shout out today. Very good. Thank you. Mandy? Well, I had to dig deep for this, you guys, because <laughs> I'm. if you ever see those memes on Facebook where people like share the memes that say, they have all of these books that they haven't read in like five years and they can continue buying more books that they won't read. I am that person. And it's so weird for me because growing up, I was the kid that would go to the library and I would check out the maximum amount of books that they would let me take home to the point where they actually raised the bar for me because they knew I'd bring them back, but they also knew that I'd read like 15 of them in one week. <laughs> so I used to read like crazy. But as an adult, I think that just being taken back with like social media and my brain is always caught up in all of these other things. I have a really hard time giving a book my full attention all the way from start to finish. I have a lot of started books that are sitting around my house that I'm like, Oh, I'll finish that at some point. And I haven't finished them. So when it came Natalie to horse, makes books, the same amount of money. If you finish it or not, you bought the book. <laughs> just buy the book. <laughs> I will say I have bought books from both Heather and Natalie, so I have them. <laughs> well, now we know that you haven't read them. So. <laughs> I started both of them. <laughs> so they're here, but every book I own has been started and not finished, it seems. So I had to go back, way back to when I was actually still finishing horse books. And there was a Western fiction series that I used to read. And I actually like grabbed them off my shelf because I read these books like three or four times, but it's been like 10 years. So for anyone watching on video, my favorite series was the West Texas Sunrise series by Paul Bagden and their Western fiction. So there were like four books in the series that I read like three or four times over. And I hope they're good because I haven't read them in years. So maybe mm -hmm. I would have changed my mind if I'd read them more recently. But they used to be my go-to Western fiction books that I, I grew up reading when I was a young adult. There you go. Anything else? No, as far as horse books go, like horse books, I'm not really a big, and I say this all the time, like I'm not a big like equestrian book person. I don't read a lot of horse books. Um, the books that I have finished more recently were not horse books. I read a lot of like um, the Harlan Coben series. Uh, he has a lot of shows on Netflix, actually. They're based on the books. So I've read a lot of those and I've read those from start to finish. I'll take them on vacation. I'll read like two or three of them at a time. But as far mm -hmm. as horse books go, it's been a little bit for me. This is well, a good reason to do the buy a horse book day so that <laughs> way we can get everybody really interested. <laughs> if should... you're watching live, post what you what you, your favorite horse book is and we want to see. We want to see what your favorite horse book is. Go ahead, Natalie. Oh, well, first I was going to say, Heather, we need a new holiday called Finish a Horse Book Day. You know what? I do have probably 15 or 20 horse books I've never read. Um, I like Laughing in the Hills. I have a beautiful edition of Laughing in the Hills, which is a horse racing memoir. I've never read it. I have actually a ton of horse racing memoirs I've never read that I just bought because I thought they looked really cool. Books are okay just as decor. It's okay. They make you look smart. They're pretty. <laughs> and you really I'm have really smart then. I have a lot of books sitting around, so I must look really smart. You look like a genius. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to represent some fiction now, okay? Um, and so one of the first ones is fairly recent, and it's our friend Linda Shant's wonderful horse racing series, Good Things Come. Linda 
is one of those rare birds who has been in the horse racing business for years and is also an incredible writer. And so if you want to like dig into the horse racing scene that you loved in the Black Stallion, but you want to know about it from an adult perspective, fantastic series. So good. And they go to Woodbine, Saratoga, tracks in Florida, Palmetto's like you can, you know, you can taste the air. It's, it's, they're a great series. Um, and then I'm going to back to a classic, Jilly Cooper Riders. I mean, somebody just mentioned that if, uh, one of our listeners. That book is incredible. Like it is raunchy and it is literary and it is funny <laughs> and it is accurate. I absolutely love that book and the cover. I can't believe that cover still exists. It's a man grabbing a woman in riding breeches. And I really thought by like 15, 20 years ago, that cover would have been just no node right out of existence. Nope. Still going really impressive. And it really sums up the book, but it's a fantastic book about upper level uh, jumper riders mixed in with the excess of the eighties. Um, just stupendous book. Um, and then going super, super gentle in the other direction, but still British and amazing. Carolyn Ackrell's Eventing Trilogy. Um, I read these books last year. They're from, I think they're from the early 80s. They're classic British comedy set in eventing with like kooky um, aristocratic ladies who live in a big house that's falling apart and the horses all have names like I can't think of their names right now, but there's like the horse that won't jump or, you know, like they've just got titles. It's so, so good. I recommend this, this series so hard. The eventing trilogy. The books are Eventer's Dream, A Hoof in the Door and Ticket to Ride. And I think there's a fourth one coming out soon. And they're just so funny. Um, and then the last one is not funny. And it's also not fiction. It's nonfiction. It is Blood Horses, Notes of a Sports Writer's Son by John Jeremiah Sullivan. Um, this book is about thoroughbreds and racing um, and the history of thoroughbreds and, and horses in general. And it's also written from the perspective of the son of a well-known sports writer. Um, he's straight for, uh, John Jeremiah Sullivan, who is the author. I think he wrote for Harper's Weekly, which is a fairly prestigious literary magazine back when this book was written. And it's just a really lyrical journey through the world of horses. And um, I don't typically pick up a lot of nonfiction, like the story of the horse or the story of people who love horses or things like that, because it feels like it's been done a lot. But I really feel like this one stands out. So that one, again, that's called Blood Horses. And it's by John Jeremiah Sullivan. Those are my recs. Those are what you should pick up. In addition to Heather's book and <laughs> encouraging Which Mandy to read her here, books. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just Heather want to point out, out <laughs> Natalie has a very nice bookcase full of books behind her on video. <laughs> That's so just one she, of many. <laughs> so, you know, speaking of looking very smart, she showed up ready tonight. She was like, I'm going to have my bookcase ready. <laughs> and Mandy, if it makes you feel better, I have an entire shelf on my bookcase dedicated to books I have that haven't written. They're like my to be read pile. <laughs> so you're not the only one okay there's a backlog for sure well fun fact well, i'm trying to make just... mandy feel better i'm just gonna say mandy get to reading those books what's wrong with you well fun fact i just bought my first like bookshelf yesterday at tj maxx i haven't had one so maybe that's part of the problem my books have been in a stack on the floor for years and i finally found a bookcase i liked so maybe now that's that they're going to be more visible that it won't be as much of an you, issue making you feel guilty you've got two yeah we've got two authors here we're just like <gasps> no just i know <laughs> <laughs> All right, mine are. Uh, I, of course, I have to pick this. Is Lisa Wysocki's Cat and Wright series, her four books, because three of those books include Jamie and I and Horses in the Morning Show. So, uh, and they're great. We love those books. We actually read the first one on our show. We did a chapter a week, and we read the first one on the show, and it was it was very popular. People want us to do another chapter, but we haven't got permission yet. Um, but we're going to get permission to do it do it the second in the series. But yeah, uh, and actually in the fourth book, uh, we weren't sure if Jamie was the murderer or not, because they're murder mysteries, and she may or may not have been the murderer. I was encouraging Lisa for years to make Jamie the murderer, because I really wanted that, but you don't know. You have to read it. 
uh, my second pick is They Called Her Reckless by uh, Janet Barrett. And that's the story of Sergeant Reckless. It was a great book. It just held my attention from start to finish. What an amazing horse. And of course, we have a statue right over by me here at the World Equestrian Center of Sergeant Reckless. If you haven't read the story of Sergeant Reckless, there's a number of books. Uh, this is just one that I read. Uh, they Called Her Reckless, and I really liked it. She did a good job of really setting the scene in Korea and what this horse went through. And then what happened after the horse got home, too. Uh, and, and anything, this is my third category, it's a whole line of books, anything by Gene Abernethy and the Fergus books. I have every one, and I think Gene has signed almost every one for me, but I love the Fergus books. They're absolutely wonderful. Uh, and uh, Jean is a trip. If you ever meet her in person, she she is four foot of uh, fire and dynamite. Uh, I think all of us who have met her know that's true. <laughs> and I hope she's coming to HP she, uh, you know, this year. I hope we see her there. She leaves a lasting impression, I'll tell you that. Yes. <laughs> We had her, I got to show you guys, my new studio, but also, sorry for anybody listening on audio, she did that drawing. That's of, uh, we, Helena and I did a, we did a Christmas time, we did an art show online, and we had Jean on, and she, do, she did that drawing throughout the art show. We had different artists on to show off their works at Christmas, and she did that in an hour during the art show and it's it's helena and i with fergus in the middle so it's my most cherished thing it's over there on my uh right in the center of my studio so anything by gene is good by me i'm gonna tell your wife that that was your most cherished thing (laughs) (laughs) in my studio studio. (laughs) let me clarify that thank you heather for for jumping right in there all right let's hear speaking of cherished things let's hear from one of our sponsors right now and that is kevin equine we've had no shortage of stress this past year and a lot of our attention has been focused on maintaining our health and immunity Stress and illness can actually form a vicious cycle in humans and also in horses. Elevated cortisol levels caused by stressors like extreme weather, disease, diet changes, travel, and trailering can all throw your horse's health and immune function out of whack. But did you know that you can help reduce the negative impacts of stress by feeding your horse chromium every day? By lowering the levels of the stress hormone cortisol and optimizing overall energy use, feeding chromium results in improved body upkeep, health, and immunity, improving performance and overall well-being. To ensure you're supporting your horse, don't feed just any chromium. Find your horse the only FDA-reviewed source of chromium on the market today. Chemtrace Chromium from Kemen Equine. That's Chemtrace Chromium from Kemen Equine. Ask for it by name and stress less. Learn more about Chemtrace Chromium at Kemen.com slash Chromium EQ. That's Kemen.com, K-E-M-I-N.com slash Chromium EQ. So next up is our second topic, and the second topic was brought to us tonight by Natalie. So Natalie, what is your topic? I'm simply asking if size really matters with horses. That's all I want to know. With horses. She threw that in there at the end. (laughs) I didn't even pause. There wasn't even a hyphen. That was one (laughs) sentence. (laughs) What do you mean by that? What's what clarify? Okay. So I ride a 14 hand pony. And um, when I was initially asked, hey, Nat, do you want to ride this unbroke 14-hand pony? I said, oh, no, God, ew. Um, And I was wrong. This pony is amazing. And um, it really started making me think, like, you see a lot of people, when they're on their their horse hunt, they're very specific about the size that they want. Or they say things like, well, I only fit a horse of this size. Um, And I don't think that size is should even be in like your top five reasons um, or not reasons, but um, qualifications for the horse that you're going to buy and ride every day and potentially live with for 10 or 15 or 20 years. And um, I would say that goes for probably 99% of equestrians. Like I don't think size matters. I well, I like them small. I have a 12 and a half hand <laughs> pony that drives my cart. So apparently <laughs> I think small's great. I think four, 14 to 17 hands. Is there really a difference? 
with conditioning and training and the way they're put together, I think those three things are, are more important than their height. I think it kind of depends on their job too, right? I mean, it depends on what they're doing for a living. To a certain extent, sure. Yeah. But most horses, most horses Glenn, aren't doing anything that's at over the top. That's true. I mean, we live in Ocala, right? So we're used to horses that are doing big, crazy things. But the majority of horses, yeah, are they? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Any comments there, Heather or Mandy? Oh, so many. Um, <laughs> well, so I have I have the two. I have a pony and a horse. I have a 14-2 pony and I have a 16-3 horse. And I'll tell you right now, it's they're very similarly built. And so it's just a matter of like a two-step mounting block versus a three-step mounting block. But I will say the only reason size matters for me, because I'm five foot nothing, and if I'm on a trail ride and I have to get off my horse. It's a lot easier to get on my pony again than it is to get on the thoroughbred. So I will say like the next horse I get, it's probably going to be like Icelandic horse size <laughs> because just, just for functionality for me, because it is hilarious. I can't even get on my 14-2 pony bareback. I mean, I literally overshot him and landed on the other <laughs> side one time. That's how like not flexible I am. So getting on the 16-2 is really kind of, um, or 63 is really kind of a, I should videotape it one day. <laughs> just, just, yeah. So size does matter. I think, I mean, he's stunning. He's gorgeous. He raced, he's all that beautiful things, but like if anything, size matters, but I think the smaller, the size, the better. Andy, you're a quarter horse. You lived in the Western world. So what's your, opinion? yeah. So I've only had a handful of horses throughout my life so far, three or four. And the current horse that I have now, I've had for about 18 years, and I haven't had any other horses other than her. I also really haven't ridden a lot of other horses other than her, with the exception of when my husband and I went to Hawaii and we went on a guided trail ride. But even then, I think my horse was very similar in size to my own personal horse. So I kind of have, I guess I have a type, and <laughs> most of the horses that I've had have been between uh, 14.3 to like 15.1 max. And I think, I think Lark, my current horse is about 15 hands. So that's kind of the average that I've had between quarter horses and paints over the years, the handful of horses that I've owned. And I've never ridden a horse that was significantly larger than that. So I don't even know if I would enjoy it or not. I've just never even gone out and ridden other horses. I'm, I'm kind of a one horse kind of person right now, even though I, I, I could go to the boarding barn tomorrow and be like, hey, can I ride one of these other horses? She's got a draft. The barn owner has a draft out in the pasture that gets ridden and used for lessons in horse camp. I could totally ride that one. I've never even asked. Oh, you should sometime. It's you like should. Like we owned, <laughs> I owned Percherons, and it's like riding a big couch. It's, it's so much fun to ride. You need to do it sometime. I do want to do it for the experience, yeah. yeah. But, you know, Heather, speaking of a horse being too tall to get back up on, on the trail, like how – has no one invented a portable mounting block that you can like tuck into a saddle bag? <laughs> they do have them. Do they have they do. them? I've never well, seen them. Well, it's not necessarily a mounting block. It's a stirrup extender. And okay. so what you can do is you can keep it in like a cancel bag or something like that. And then you hook it on the saddle or in the stirrup. And then you put your foot on it. And then as you get up, you just take it back out and put it back in. So I actually did purchase one because I'm getting trail ready. And I just know that if I dismount off my horse, I will be walking back to the trailer. <laughs> they work as, as long as your saddle doesn't slip at all. One of my partners, when I was in the mounted unit, had one because we were riding Clydesdales and Percherons at the time. And he was much shorter. He was because I'm five seven. So getting on a getting on a 17 hand horse from the ground isn't ideal. But we had a lot of park benches for the most part. So if we had to remount, we could mostly use a park bench. Um but every now and then you ran into a, a place where that wasn't the opportunity. And so he had brought one of those with him and he could use it to get on a draft horse. They're, sometimes their backs are really, they're so broad that the saddle kind of goes back and forth. But I mean, you know, nothing is perfect. So you think, Mandy, you tell Mandy she needs to ride that draft horse once. Well, you know, I can't believe I'm going to say this because you're going to make fun of me, but the the width can matter more than the height. Um would say, Heather and Glenn are dying right now. <laughs> not even like, that's not even near his microphone. 
Because I, I was riding these Clydes like four or five hours a day and there's their wide. And so there's a change there. You know, if you're used to, I had gone from racehorses, literally riding racehorses every morning to, to riding these patrol horses that were like, it com- just a completely different body shape. So it wasn't, it was not the height at all. It was the shape of them. That was a change for me. Mm-hmm. I wrote that down. 26 minutes, 17 seconds is the pull quote of the week. <laughs> Let's so see, that's that why you know out its context. This, this, like, <laughs> this is why you need to do those frog stretches. <laughs> if you're familiar with like some of the stretches you do after a workout, sometimes you do these in yoga, but you have to do like those frog stretches. If you don't know what those are, look them up, but it helps with the, the hips. So if you're really tight and you can't sit on a really wide horse, you got to do more of those stretches. I need to do them afterwards for sure. Yep. Where did you ride for the mounted? Unit? I was in the central park mounted unit for the really? New York City parks department. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. You saw a little bit of everything riding that unit. Oh boy, did I. <laughs> <laughs> did you write a book about that yet? Um, it's mentioned in The Hidden Horses of New York, which is a book about um horses in New York. So there's carriage horses because we dealt with carriage horses, there's race horses, and then there's park patrol as well. Yeah. You you if you ever do a podcast someday, hmm. uh I want an entire episode on the stories on horseback. In New York. We should uh, just do a segment, like a regular. <laughs> Here's you another know, awful thing that happens You could do a whole York. podcast series on just that, I am <laughs> sure. <laughs> I That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else on this topic? Does size matter? You know, I think this has come up. You know, we're not covering it from the uh, "Are you too big for your horse?" You know, that's come up. I know, no, no. I know that Piper has written about that over at the Plaidcast, and you know that topic has come up in a couple articles recently. Actually, that's not what we were meant to cover here today. It's more of the stigma and stereotype of "I have to have a big horse," you know. Um, and you know, obviously, we all agreed that well, we all have smaller horses, so. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it matters what discipline you're in, right? Like if you're a jumper and you need to clear, you know, five foot fences, I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. A big horse is going to be... 12 hand pony's not going to do it for you. No. No, Although there's been some instances of some eventing horses that were quite small and everything like that, you know, so I guess size doesn't matter in that case, but it's more the heart, right? But yeah, yeah, I think it's the discipline. I think it's the discipline and I think it's being realistic about what you're going to do with your horse. And then it's a matter of how your horse is put together, how technically trained your horse is, because a technically well-trained horse is going to put in less effort over a fence, for example, than a horse that's scrambling for every stride, right? And doesn't know where he's supposed to take off from or how to use his body. And I think conditioning plays into it a great deal for the exact same reason. So, I mean, there are stories of ponies going to the Olympics. That's why I said 14 hands, 17 hands. But, and I'm not saying every 14 hand horse, obviously this is a general statement, but I just, I just, I don't think I'd put in my top five unless it's about ease of mounting the horse. And then um, it's 14 hands all the way. I agree. (laughs) I feel seen. Thank you. (laughs) I drive a carriage. I have you all beat. So I just yeah. step right in. I'm right there. I'm terrified seat. of carriages. You know, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Most riders are. They get in a carriage and, and they're just, they don't want to have just anything terror. to do with it. It's just <laughs> terror. Yeah. It's, and you know what? It is scary times. There are times when I've been a little scared. Uh, you know, if your if your horse bolts, it's it's a little terrifying, but it's terrifying if you're riding. Too. That so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying if you're riding or driving. Now, the the thing about driving is you do have the carriage to deal with. You know, if you fall out, you you you're, you could get tangled up in the carriage too. So, you know, there is that. But I haven't fallen out yet. Knock on something. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> knock on wood for that one because yeah, we don't exactly. want to put that out there. <laughs> Mandy, tell us a little bit about your podcast and your your network. Yeah, well, I've been podcasting now for almost actually it's been over a year, Glenn, since yes. I started doing this last March. The Lead Line is a podcast for equestrian entrepreneurs, and on the show, I talk to a lot of other small business owners and people who've been doing it sometimes for only a year and other people that have been doing it for many, many years. But my guests come onto the show to talk about their experience as an entrepreneur and the things that they have learned so that you know other entrepreneurs don't have to go through some of the same mistakes. You know, and, so And talk about the community that goes along with it. 
Yeah, we also have a Facebook community of about 1,600 people on Facebook. It's called the Leadline Community for Horse Business Owners. And through that community, we also host virtual and live networking events for horse business owners. And in a year, you have made that uh, right up at the top of the Horse Radio Network shows as far as downloads are concerned. So, good Oh, yay. Good. <laughs> Thanks. Congratulations with that. Heather, what about you? What you got going on? You got a little you got a little thing coming out soon. I do. I might have a little thing coming out. Um, so I decided uh, after the Horse World Expo, I was talking with my friend Natalie here and a whole bunch of people. Um, Confessions of a Timid Rider needed to be a series. And because the story didn't stop and it kind of ended with uh, with, you know, a little sadness with me not having a horse of my own. And so I decided to release Adulting with Horses, which is the second book of a three-part series. And it's all about being a horse owner for the first time as an adult. And it's written in that, you know, confessional style. And I'm really excited. It's coming out May 1st. And it's going to be available at waterhorsepress.com, timidrider.com, and on Amazon. So I'm really stupidly excited about it. So buy a horse book day. It'll be available. Yes, it will be. And I'm just saying, if somebody wants to post a picture with it, I will share and I'll be very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> and what's, so what's it called again? It's called Adulting with Horses by Heather Wallace. And pre-orders are available now on Amazon and at uh, waterhorsepress.com. And what was the first in the series called? The first book in the series is called Confessions of a Timid Rider. And then, um, yeah, which is a really a nice introduction of me returning to horses as an adult and all of the nerves that still were there after years off um, that I had before, but uh, really being determined to, to make my passion my own and to do it my way. I, I estimate that between 30 and 40% of our listeners are adults who have come to horses after a period of time, either the kids are grown or something like that. They're in their 40s and, you know, they've come back to horses or they come to horses for the first time. So you, you, that's a large group. It is. And there's so many people who private message me who, who join my Timid Riders community. And it's it's really the thing that keeps me going, just knowing I'm not alone because I started writing it for myself. And it keeps me going and sharing such personal things, uh, knowing that there's other people who really relate and um, not only identify, but are actually emboldened by sharing my story so that they, they feel like they can maybe do it too. Very good. Cool. May 10th, buy your book. Uh, Natalie, I don't even know where to start with you. You have like a thousand books out. Where, where do we start? Where, <laughs> where are we? I have a new book out. <laughs> well, then let's talk about that one. <laughs> All right. So I have a I have a brand new book, um, in first in a new series called Ocala Horse Girls. And the really? book is called Yeah, uh the book's called The Project Horse. And I wrote it over the winter and had such a good time with it that as I finished up the last draft of it, I suddenly had ideas for other characters in the book. So the project horse is going to be followed up with the sweetheart horse later this year and then a third book coming over next winter i had to redo so, my whole publishing schedule can you give us a kind of an idea of what what it's about what it's so, like all right so the project horse is about posy malone who is coming back to ocala from new york city with her tail between her legs she has failed at being a strong independent woman in new york and she's using her um sort of recently widowed mother as an excuse to come home sleep in her childhood bed and regroup. Um, her father was a racehorse trainer. And when her mother announces that they're not actually staying in their childhood home, they're going back to work on the farm where they used to live. Her life really falls apart because that farm is run by her childhood nemesis, Adam. Of course. <laughs> they, they get married and fall in love later in the book. Did I get it right? Oh, uh, they only <laughs> fall in love later in the book. They don't get married. Oh, oh my God, how long do you think? So yeah, it's definitely it's a chick lit book with a big romantic arc. It's about a woman finding herself when she comes home. It's about a super cute ex racehorse named Slowpoke, and it's about starting yearlings in the winter time in Ocala, and just a just a big old equestrian fiction slash romance book that I'm super excited about. And what's it called again? Give the title. The Project Horse. The 
Project Horse. And all of your books can be found on Amazon, right? If they just search your, your name, the whole list will come up? They can be found everywhere books are sold. <laughs> everywhere books are sold. Line. The Project Horse is only live right now from my personal website. It will be live on Amazon next Tuesday. It will be live on Apple, etc. next Friday. May 10th, buy a horse book day. <laughs> That's right. Hey, let me ask you, Natalie, I, I've had this conversation extensively with Lisa Baisaki. What's your process? Do do you start writing? She starts writing and it just comes to her as she goes. She doesn't have an outline for the beginning, middle, and the end of the book before she starts writing the book. What's your process? Um, sometimes it's like that. The project horse was like that. Um, and that makes the revision really long and complicated and messy. So when I try to stay on a schedule, uh, when I have a lot of books I want to get out, I do try to write a synopsis. Maybe it's just a page that says this happens and then this happens and then that happens. And that really helps me out. Um, Cause when I wrote the first draft of the project horse, it had just, the idea had sort of come to me. I woke up, I wrote it down, but I just started writing it and I was building all this tension and I had no idea what I was building the tension towards. And I, I put my first drafts on my Patreon. And so people, I write a chapter, I post it. And my patrons were going, well, we think we know what's happening next. And I was like, I'm glad somebody does. I, don't, <laughs> I, was just, I was just writing tension and ratcheting it up. And they're like, when does it break? And when I figure out what I'm doing. Um, so it, like I the continuity of rewriting, um, there was so, so many uh, timeline things I had to fix and, uh, and trying to get the story to mesh all the way through. So it's much easier to not do it that way. But some books, that's just how it happens. That's how it comes to you. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. every every project is different. That's cool. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. All right, let's go to our third and final topic. Mandy, um, you've sound, I don't know if you've had this problem before. Tell us about it. <laughs> I've not had this problem before, but I do want to talk about it. And so the topic that I chose was how to know when to move barns. And this is really more applicable to people that board than people that are keeping their horses at home. If you keep them at home, that's awesome. But this is more for people that are at a current boarding facility and they are maybe feeling like they aren't sure if they should stay and start looking for something, you know, someplace different, someplace new. And it's definitely something that I've considered. I'm at a wonderful barn currently. So there's nothing there that is making me unhappy. Like there's no barn drama. Um, I probably get the best rate in the whole county <laughs> where I'm keeping my horse right now. So from that perspective, it's great. The only downfall of where I board right now is that it's a 30 minute drive one way. So for me to go over there on a regular basis, that can get really challenging it's just very time consuming. I have to factor in at least three hours to go to the barn pretty much anytime I go because it's like an hour of drive time. And then if I'm riding, that's usually an hour and then an hour of tacking up, untacking, all of those things. So it's at least like a three hour trip over to the barn. If she was, if my horse was much closer than that, it wouldn't necessarily be a three hour visit every time, or I could take more time, take, you know, be slower about tacking up or not in such a hurry to get somewhere after. So those are some factors that I've considered in my own barn and where I board, but I can tell you I'm a member of a lot of Facebook groups, and I know that there's a lot of people that experience drama at the barn, and they aren't sure when it's time to leave. So I wanted to kind of get the group's feedback on that. I don't I don't know if you guys board. Heather, do you board? Or you keep your horses I at do. home? I do. I, I wish. I wish I kept them at home. That's like the dream. I do board. So have you encountered anything where you've had to move a barn at any point? Yeah, I feel like for a while it was at a Goldilocks situation where like this one was a little too big. This one was a little too small. And so I think like the first time I moved as a new horse owner, it was incredibly stressful because I didn't know if my horse would trailer. I did. And, and the reason I ended up moving for that was because I just didn't feel comfortable there anymore. I felt like I was being... Um, like I didn't quite fit in. Like and I, as a timid rider, I don't, I usually feel that way. Like I usually, you know, there's a lot of people who are very confident and um, who like to show and things like that in, in the area where I am. Um, but I was finding people were talking about me behind my back and it made me not want to show up to the barn when they were going to be there. And 
I decided, you know what, I'm spending a lot of money on this horse. And this is my dream. And I don't want to ever feel like I'm not good enough. And so I picked up and I left and it was, um, you know, no bad blood. It just wasn't the right fit for me. And then the second barn I was at for only six months and that was the opposite. It was too small at someone's home and she was very involved and I didn't want that. I wanted to do my thing. And so then I ended up moving to a different barn, which was kind of perfect. And, uh, you know, nothing's ever truly perfect, let's be honest, because you can't have them at your house and you're boarding. So there's always going to be something that gives you really have to decide what your priorities are and if those priorities are being met. And so for me, socially, I wanted that to be the priority. Care is 100% always a given, right? Um, so yeah, so I think if you're going to spend a lot of money, you need to figure out what your top three to five things are and make sure that they're being met. And you should do that before you ever move barns. You should interview, you should go take a practice lesson with the trainer there. You should see all of the things that are important to you if they're part of that package. Because even for a while I had both horses at two different barns, very different vibes. And that was tough in and of itself because I really struggled with, with one being so far away, but it was so much cheaper. <laughs> And it's really, really better able, but I ended up deciding to put them together because it was important to me to be able to spend the time with both of them. Natalie, do you board or have you boarded? I have boarded. Um, I'm very fortunate that I haven't had to board in a really long time, but I boarded all through like my teenage years. And I really ran into a lot of the same things like Heather was saying, where you can either board with one person and they're all up in your business. Or you can board at a large stable and then there are factions. And that was sort of my experience. I'm trying to think if I ever had anything in the middle and sort of mulling that over. And it, uh, I was often at competition barns because I evented and I was pretty serious about it. And a lot of times we ended up leaving barns because of falling out with the trainer. For some reason, the trainer was too aggressive or... Um, we just weren't comfortable with the direction that she was taking the program for some reason. And, you know, I was at barns that had 80 horses and then I'd be in a barn with four horses. And um, it just seems like there's always something and I'm very introverted. So that probably played into it a little bit as well. Like if there were, there was gossip or something going on. I was the first to say, Oh, I have a stomach ache. I don't want to go to the bar, you know, that kind of thing. And as an adult, it's been entirely about the commute. Like Mandy was saying, um, for the past couple of years, my horses lived an hour away. That's too far. I can't do it. Um, and so I figured out midway through that I was going to have to keep them at home because I'm too busy to commute. I, I simply can't do it. And um, that's one of the reasons that we ended up buying up near Ocala in the first place. Was if I have the horse in the yard, I can ride the horse. If the horse is an hour away, I, I will enjoy seeing pictures of the horse from far away. So it's a hard balance. I don't miss boarding. And I'm not sure what the answer is. How to know when to leave is definitely a question of, does this place make you crazy uncomfortable for one reason or another? Because if your horse doesn't make you happy, like you were saying, that's tons of money just down the train. You know? We're boarding for the first time in eight years. So we've had them at home and now we're boarding. So oh, wow. the boarding stable's 10 minutes away. So distance isn't an issue. You're right, Mandy. When, when We've talked about this topic many times over the last 13 years on the show. And it's always boiled down to three things why people are, are unhappy with the boarding stable. It's distance, people, or care right? Uh, it's one of those three things. It's always one of those three things. Your horse doesn't get the care you think they should. Uh, the people are driving you crazy. And it, it can be one person. There can be a barn full of 30 people. And it's it's still that one. It's just like high school. It's still that bully at high school, right? The one person on the bus that makes your life miserable. So it, it's funny how nothing changes that way. Even when you're an adult, it's always that one person. Uh, and I think people know that we... The other thing too is 
you're right. Some people, like me, when I go out to the barn, you know, I'm very chatty at work, obviously, because this is what I do, and I'm talking to people all day, but when I go out to hang out with my pony, I really don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to go hang out with my pony. It's my quiet time, right? It's my time to just go out and hang out, drive him, do whatever, go riding with Jennifer, but I'm not there to socialize, and I know people think I'm probably stuck up. It's just, I'm done talking by the time I get out there. I've talked all day. So, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think people know when they ask the question on Facebook, should I leave? They already know they should leave. They're just I looking agree. for that. You know, you already know. I you, agree. If you've asked that question, right? if you've asked the question on Facebook, you're leaving. You don't know it yet, but you're, you're leaving. <laughs> They're almost right. looking for confirmation yeah. of like the, of the instinct, right? Yeah. But it's yeah. hard, you know, a lot of times there's not more than one barn within an hour of where you live, depending on where you live. We're not all fortunate like Ocala to have 20,000 barns here. Um, where you live, Mandy, there can't be a ton of boarding stables. There's a handful in the county, but they're all at least like 20 minutes from where I am because I live in a very like rural area on the lake that's like... She lives at the edge of the world up there. <laughs> yeah, the I live up by Canada, <laughs> Thousand <laughs> Islands area. It's beautiful here, but because we live out on the lake and it's kind of like a little, almost like a peninsula area, it's one of the points. There's many points where I live. We're on pillar points and it's just, th there's no facilities out here. There was one. For a little bit, when I was first shopping for a boarding facility, there was one that was actually two miles from me at, on this location at Pillar Point. But I actually talked about this on Horses in the Morning a while back. I went to that barn and they had like five Dobermans that jumped all over me when I showed up. And I was like, nah, bro, <laughs> we're not born here. <laughs> it was not for me. So I, I did end up choosing the place that was 30 minutes away. And since then, that person has sold that barn and no one has horses there anymore. I'm kind of hoping, mm. I was kind of hoping the new owners would have a boarding facility, but it doesn't look like they will. So yeah, everything's at least 20 to 30 minutes. I've tried to find something a little closer, but I think, you know, there's, I'm having no issues at the current barn that I'm at. They take great care of my horse they're great people and they leave me alone. Like you guys, I like to be left alone. I want to just go mind my own business, ride my horse. We do talk and we socialize a little bit with the owner and myself. But beyond that, like we really just mind our own business. And I love that. It's very easy. We liked, I, I, we owned a boarding stable for a very long time with 20, 30 horses. And uh, we liked people like Mandy. <laughs> Come in, do their own thing. It's also, you know, it's tough for the for the owner too, because you're trying, you have a lot of work to get done, right? If you're feeding 20, 30 horses, you got a lot of work to get done during the day. And then everybody wants to talk to you. So you have to learn to work and walk and talk and work, you know, at the same time. And it seems rude, but you have to do that or you never get your work done. So it's the other way too, when you're the, when you're the owner of the barn, it goes that way. It's tough. You know, this has been harder on Jennifer uh, than me, you know, because she, she did most of the care, even at the farm when the horses were out our, back door so this has been a hard transition for her she's getting used to the fact now that she when it's raining she doesn't have to go out and feed the horses so that's kind of nice you know that makes it easier. just the boarding um one of them is we can travel now without having to worry about you know making arrangements it's it's just there that's one of the big advantages to boarding right you, you can go or not go um yeah we talk my husband and i talk about that a lot the pros and cons and i'm like well let me just keep a really good relationship with the barn I board at now. And then if we go away for a week, I'll just go like board for a week. <laughs> <laughs> Nellie says, uh, here's a business idea, boarding barn for introverts. <laughs> Only introverts. <laughs> It'd be the quietest place in town. <laughs> <laughs> there will be no drama. You have to take a psychology test before you can come. <laughs> One of those personality uh, yes. assessments. Yes. Great idea. Yeah, Ellie. we don't want any liars up in here. Okay, you can't be a secret <laughs> introvert or a secret extrovert. Oh my god. <laughs> give a plug for something because Heather's here tonight. Uh, first, we have to give a plug for AHP, American Horse Publications. We all belong. We all love American Horse Publications. If you're in the journalism business in any which way, uh, any kind of media, basically in journal or in the horse world, you should belong to AHP. Look, I'm not a journalist. I'm a terrible writer. I talk. That's all I do. Uh, I they let me in years ago. I don't know why, but um, it's. You guys, I mean, it's just a good place to network and to be involved with. Natalie, how long have you been HP? Um, 
two years. Two? two years? Yeah, I, two years. I thought you were you were fairly new. Heather, you? I've been since Maryland. So what is that, three years? Three years. Okay. So I'm the old timer here for ADC. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and Mandy, you you're said it. I did too, it. right? <laughs> You just joined when you got back into the podcast and things. I did, yeah. I rejoined last year. Yeah, you were a member before, uh, a long time ago. Yeah, I went to one of their conferences back in 2011. And we're all heading to Lexington. By the time we do, you know, we do another one of these, we'll be uh, in Lexington. We're going to do Horses in the Morning live from uh, from the American Horse Publications, like we always do. So we'll be recording there and having some fun there. And you guys are all required to come sit down with me at the mic at some point. I don't want to do that by myself. So, Twist yeah. the arm. <laughs> Get me to talk. Shocking. <laughs> and we'll be in Lexington, which is kind of cool because I lived there for four years and we all go to Lexington all the time. So I love that it's going to be there this year. So, And I also wanted to give a plug for something that we're doing this year in cooperation with Monty Roberts. Uh, he does something that's called The Movement, which is a weekend of horse training and uh, education and things like that. You were there last year, right, Heather? I did. I attended and I had so much fun. It was an amazing learning experience. It's at Flag is Up Farm in California, which is Monty's place, which is cool. Flag is Up Farm at Monty's place. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. It is beautiful. And uh, there's going to be multiple hosts from the Horse Radio Network there this year. Helena's going to be there from Stall and Stable, my first co-host 13 years ago. Jamie's going to be there because she's a Monty Roberts certified instructor. My co-host of Horses in the Morning. She's going to be doing demonstrations there this year. She was last year, right? She did demonstrations last year, too. She did. And I got to say, she was. it was really interesting to see... You know, her go from radio, you know, podcast host to all business horse trainer mode that I know she does on the daily, too. And it was just really inspiring. She was very good. Yeah, you'd listen to her in the morning. You wouldn't think so, would you? <laughs> you can't, no, you never. Can't imagine that person. You know I love Jamie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're a little goofy. Uh, so, yeah, it's, there's some tickets left, only like 10, I think. Uh, so go to MontyRoberts.com. It's in the middle of June. Uh, it's in the most beautiful place. It's two days. Templeton Thompson's coming out to do a private concert for us the one night. Uh, so she'll be out there with Sam. Tempe and Sam are, are some of our favorites. So they're going to be doing a concert. where We have cocktail parties. Uh, they have these things. That, it's a Dutch town or Danish town, actually. Uh, and I get that wrong all the time, and get, the people get mad at me because we have listeners over there and they <laughs> yell at me all the time. So uh, so they serve these things, they're donity-like things that are called able skeevers. Did you have any when you were there, Heather? I didn't, but I pretty much had everything else. I ate my way through that town. <laughs> yes, it's a wonderful town to eat through, and we're going to definitely have some able skeevers there, that's for sure. I have FOMO right kind now. kind of Thanks. like the Danish beignet. Uh, so it's kind of like that. Uh, so I, it's just wonderful. We hope to see all of our listeners there. Dr. Wendy's going to be there. Uh, Helena and Jamie and I and Jennifer will be there. So we have a whole bunch of uh, hosts coming as well. So we hope to see you all there. Thank you all. Real quick, Mandy, website. TheLeadlinePodcast.com. Heather. The Timid Rider. So it's TimidRider.com. TimidRider.com. Natalie. NatalieKReinert.com. And we will put all of those websites in our show notes for today's episode. If you missed any part of this watching live, you can catch the rest of it on the Stable Scoop feed tomorrow. We'll be posting it there so you can listen to the whole thing back if you would like. If you want to write down those book recommendations, you can do listen back to it and write those down as well. Um, and Nellie's going to be there, too. She's watching right now. And she said, Glenn uh, and Glenn will be doing a riding demonstration at the movement. Yeah, no. That's not that's not that's not going to be happening. I promise that's one thing you won't see. Get me a carriage and I will drive a pony, but I'm not going to be doing a riding demonstration. Thanks everybody for joining us. Appreciate it stablescoop.com.